0: This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta.
1: Hello everyone and thank you for joining me today. I'm so happy you're here. I'm Sandy Scarlatta. I was born in Virginia Beach and raised in the Baltimore Annapolis area and had very humble and tragic beginnings. And as a result, my life was a hot mess. Thankfully, 33 years ago I got my act together. And since that time, I have dedicated my life to serving others and raising awareness that no matter what you've been through, you can choose happiness and live the life of your dreams. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging. And my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate Anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a choice, and the choice is yours. Today's episode is amazing, and I am so grateful for you. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to leave a review and follow me on social media at Coach Sandy Scarlatta. Enjoy the show. Jonathan Raymond, thank you so much for joining me today. It's such a pleasure to be meeting you, and I can't wait to delve in and hear all about your story.
0: Oh, thanks so much for having me on the show.
1: Absolutely. So you've you've been a leadership coach for over 20 years, and you have experience working with executives across diverse industries, and you have a book that's called Good Authority. Sorry, mm. <laughs> I misread that. Um and so, before we dive into that, I've, I always love to hear people's stories and what got them to where they are today. Because we all have that pivotal moment in our life where, you know, we shift gears. And yeah. sometimes it's it's over a period of time. Sometimes it's a light bulb that that just kind of goes on. What was that journey like for you?
0: Yeah, for me, it was kind of a one-two punch. I would say the first uh, the first of those two moments was when I was around eighteen or nineteen, uh, sophomore year in college. And I'm 51 now, so it's a, it was a little while ago, but uh, um, it really was the culmination of being a pretty unhappy kid, um, you know, like normal, you know, the normal stuff, but just, uh, you know, I was just really depressed and lonely and just didn't know who I was in the world and felt like I wasn't, I had some good friends, but I wasn't able to kind of build deeper relationships. And I I just had this sinking feeling that I, I wasn't who I was supposed to be, I guess is the best way I could say it. Um, and so that led me down a pathway of uh, really on the personal growth and spiritual development side, where I got really interested in meditation and and psychedelics and uh, at the time a lot of things that are legal now, which were not legal then, um, <laughs> uh, or at least under some medical supervision legal now. And um, you know I just got really interested in my own psychology and my own emotion and and kind of the depths of my own experience. And that that journey kind of went on for you know, the next 15, 20 years uh, where I got really interested in, you know, all things, Eastern esoteric, somatic psychotherapy, counseling, movement practice, you know, you name it. I, I've said to people like, if there's some kooky out there thing to like experiment on yourself, I probably tried it. Um, and can, and <laughs> Sounds I can share, like me. <laughs> yeah. And I, can, and I can share with you the pros and cons of that activity. Uh, but so that was kind of the first one was like, okay, it sort of set me down this authenticity path. Um, with a lot of bumps and bruises along the way, and then the second uh, was I was a CEO of a business coaching company. This was back in the early 2010s, and um, I really kind of hit my limit as a leader, as an executive, and I felt like I was uh, I was kind of in like two swimming pools at the same time, and it wasn't working. I was like still working on my own personal growth and my own self development, kind of with half of my body and being, and then uh, the other half was like working on being a business leader and being successful and making money and and all those things. and i was really split between the two and it it just came to a head where uh my world was essentially collapsing around me and you know i can i can laugh about it now but it wasn't funny uh right. at the time and you know <laughs> you know the business was suffering my finances were suffering my health was suffering suffering my marriage was suffering everything you know i was just i was lost again and i thought to myself like how can this possibly be i've been working on myself for 20 years, how can I be still so stuck? And, um, and that was in that moment, that was kind of the second of those, of that one, two, where I realized with a lot of help from my wife that, uh, I had been pursuing those two things as separate journeys personal and professional growth. And she said, Hey, what if it's one journey and maybe that's your problem, buddy? And, uh, she was right. And that led to, uh, the work that I do today and the kind of the last, you know, 10 years of my life.
1: Yeah, well, many so often that other people can see what's going on with us before we can see it ourselves. Yep. And the same is true, which is why coaches are so amazing and why so many people, if you're trying to accomplish anything in life, you know, getting a good coach is is one of the most important and valuable investments you'll ever make in yourself because what I've learned, and I've been a certified life coach since 2004, so I've been in this game a long time as well. And what I've noticed more recently, and what I see recently, I'm talking in the past few years, is that people recognize greatness in others that they may not see in themselves. And that has yeah. been my experience, right? That people recognize certain greatnesses that I have within me, and I'm like, "Oh, I never really looked at it that way."
0: Yeah, it's and a, it takes
1: that outsider looking in.
0: Yeah, it's know. a funny thing about you know. There's one of the fundamental concepts which you know I know you're familiar with, but is this concept of projection, right? Like we project yes. onto others, but mostly when we think of that term, we think about projecting negative qualities, right? It's like, right. oh, well, you're projecting that's, that's, you're, you're criticizing me for that, but that's really true about you. We do it with positive qualities, right? Where we Absolutely. we project uh, our better selves onto other people, which also can get us into a lot of trouble, right? Cause we can put other people on a pedestal and sort of over index on their strength. And and maybe they're not who we think they are. Right. And maybe that's a, that's a quality or a strength that we need to internalize and claim as our own. Um, so I'm with you.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I know sometimes like for me, because I'm self a, I'm such a self-help junkie, if you will. And when I see somebody close to me, not going after their full potential, I sometimes insert myself <laughs> and they don't want to, they don't want it. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes people aren't ready for that. They're they're just, and so you have to learn to meet people where they are, right? Yep. Because not yeah. everyone has those same ambitions and desires that that I might have, and I and sometimes I try to push them on other people, and they're not ready to hear it.
0: You yeah, that, you're describing a solid ten years of my life. So, uh, <laughs> I was definitely there. I made a lot of uh, friends into not friends during that period of time.
1: I know I've learned to just keep my mouth shut. If people want advice, they'll come to me, and the last me, and I'm like, otherwise, right. I just don't say a
0: word. Right, and and like- my and my advice might not be my 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 advice might be good, but not right for that person. Right, even maybe it's right. the right time, but they need, just need to hear it from someone else. Yeah, um, and so just the humility to say, hey, you know, maybe you're smart, maybe you have maybe you have an outside perspective that's helpful, but you may not be the right person. It may not be the right time. Yeah. Uh, you know, who knows? And you can and and I you think- could also be wrong. Right.
1: Well, of course. But I think also with with in many more cases than not, it's a whole timing thing that we're just not ready. Yeah. Because how how often have you heard the same advice, maybe presented a little bit differently by so many people, and all of a sudden it just clicks with you and you're like, ah. Oh, yep. Now it makes sense to me. Wow. Yep. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about your book.
0: So excuse me, I, I wrote the book uh, really out of my own experience of uh, a problem that I think we don't talk enough about, or we don't talk at all about really, which is uh, the the psychological reality of authority and its impact okay. on our ability to function. And, okay. you, know, you know, if I just say some obvious things, everyone will nod their head in agreement, which is like, we all had authority figures in our life really early on, parents, uh, you know, teachers, coaches, religious figures, uncles, aunts, you know, people in our world who had authority over us in some form or another because we were not independent, sovereign adults. Um, So they had the ability to control or influence our life in a way that was powerful. And that created conditioning in us. We learned how to survive in those environments. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be, could be very traumatic. It could be moderately traumatic, but we all have a ton of experiences with authority figures really early on in our life. And for most people, a lot of those authority experiences were not good mm-hmm. in one form or another. Doesn't again, doesn't mean they were abusive directly, doesn't mean they were hostile directly, but uh, most people don't know themselves very well. So whether they're parents or coaches or religious figures or 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 mentors, like most people don't really know themselves as well as they think they do. And so they push their unmet needs, their wants, their fears onto us as children, right? doesn't make them bad people, doesn't make them evil. It's just how it is. So you fast forward and now we're in the workforce. We're you know, 23, 25, 45, 65. We're in the workforce with people who have authority more than we do, right? Depending on where you are on the work chart. But we've never outworked the authority relationships of our past. And I know that, and I, the realization that I had was that I hadn't outworked them. And so this through, through this period of time, up until le- reading the book, I spent a lot of time and energy trying to outwork some of the authority dynamics from my own life, you know, whether it was with my parents or mentors or you know other other influential people, and including societal notions of what does it mean to have a boss, you know, be a manager, all those kinds of things. And so uh, the book was my attempt to share some of those experiences uh, and to teach a way of leading teams um, in the modern world that was attuned to that psychological reality that that's part of what you have to deal with, you know, just like during COVID, you have to you have to deal with the fact that people are working remotely or a lot of people are working remotely. Well, you also have to deal with the fact that everybody on your team has authority triggers one way or another. And the people who say they don't are the people you should be most worried about, uh, because that means they're the most hidden. Right. And so, uh, so yeah, so that was really kind of the genesis of the book. And then we taught a methodology for accountability and and really, how to shift your your mindset out of a victim mentality to an owner to an ownership mentality, and uh, that's the work we've been doing for the last ten years at Refound. We um, work with you know a lot of high growth companies, some small businesses too. But uh, you know we're working with folks who are trying to get the people part of leadership right, and um, you know it's been a good run. But it's a, you know it's it's a really uh, complex terrain. There's so many factors going on inside of work, and then when you think about all the things that are happening outside of work, especially these days. Uh, just makes the job of being a leader in the modern world incredibly uh, fraught,
1: yes. I love everything you just said, but I want to take a step backwards because I thought of an example in my mind where, you know, there was something that my mother would say to me all the time mm. and and you described it perfectly. She had no intent to be give bad advice or whatever. Like she thought, what she was telling me was the best thing, right? Because that's mm. all she knew, right? Because we right. only know what we know. Can you give an so so what I'm getting at is i'm I'm curious as to like just to make sure in my own mind that I'm understanding you correctly, when you talk about trying to outwork these authority things that were placed upon you when you were a child, can you just give an example of something that you went through and how and how you were able to work through that?
0: Sure. Uh, So, well, let me just give a little bit of uh, context on that. So, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, there's many forms of this type of work, but like internal family systems is maybe one of the most commonly known, which is a way of understanding ourselves that we're not just sort of a static, you know, stable identity. We're comprised of multiple identities, right? And this is not pathological, right? Like we have a part of us who gets hurt by certain things. We have a part of us who gets angry by, by certain things that are, that, that, you know, and it doesn't mean that that's like some, some neglected, horrible emotion. It's just part of who we are. Right. And so, right. so for me, you know, as a kid, you know, one of the things that, uh, that I, uh, internalized, right. Was I, I became kind of a, a stabilizing, um, voice in my family because my brother was pretty unstable. Right. And so, I had to take on the role of being an authority in some level way before I should have been right. So I was a kid, and I had to be kind of the voice of reason, or a certain way, and sort of mediate in in kind of inter family dynamics, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so I I internalized kind of a, a notion of what it of who I was way before I was ready for that level of responsibility. And so the way that translated is like, you know, through my teen years and my 20s and that that period of of turning a lot of friends into not friends is like, I took on way too much authority in some of my relationships because that's what I learned. I learned that that's what I was supposed to be in my family. That was the role that I played, but it wasn't serving me in my adult life. So I had to look and say, wait a second, um, am I actually the authority in this dynamic? Why do I feel like I need to be, the, why do I feel like I need to tell this person what to do? Why do I feel like my perspective matters? Why do I feel like it's my responsibility to try to fix or save this person? And so outworking it is to become aware of saying, hey, there's this tendency, there's this pattern, there's this way that I show up. Is that useful? Is that helpful? Is that who I want to be? Um, Are there good things about that that I may want to carry forward? Probably. But are there downsides to that way of being that I want to let go of? Yeah, there definitely are. And so it's that personal inventory. And again, it doesn't have to take 10 years, right? It could take a half an hour of sitting down with a journal and saying, Hey, you know, this is something that I learned from my mom. She, always used to tell me X, well, how does that show up in my life? Right? Like, Oh, you know, these are the situations where I tend to follow her advice, maybe to my detriment. These are types Oh, here, that's the the five situations where I tend to follow her advice and it's maybe useful. Right. But now you've created some distance between a younger version of you and a, a way of, Relating with authority, let's say, or or a piece of advice you internalized, and it's and it's not you're not fused to it, right? You're conscious of it, and there's some separation between you as the you know so you know the Buddhists would say as the observer or the witness, mm-hmm. right? So you're you're able to see yourself and your behavior with some amount of distance, and then you're a choice with what to do with it. So that's the process of outworking you know really anything, um, that dynamic that I just described, but in particular. Uh, with respect to your, you know, to your parents and, or other, you know, really influential authority figures in your life.
1: Mm, Love it. That was such a great example. And, and I liked how you walked through that because I know for me, I, like I said, I, I'll just, I'll just tell you what I had thought of when you were first saying this was that um, we had a lot of tragedy growing up and my mom Mm. would always say, just smile and everything will be okay.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: And so you can imagine what that does. Because yeah. you you end up, you know, pushing everything down and you just right. pretend it doesn't even happen or you know, you just right. smile and you pretend it it just never happened.
0: So what and, what, and just on um, oh sorry, finish all your No, go ahead. Now. No, go ahead. Oh, I go was ahead. gonna, you know, just it's it's so it's such a tragedy because, you know, and this gets into the you know relationship to parenting and all this, like we we somehow learned as a society something that's so destructive, which is that we learned wrongly. It's, a ter- it's this is terrible information that feeling negative emotions is a negative thing. Exactly. I don't know why we I don't know I don't know who I don't know who put the pavement on that road first, but it's it is like devastating to our quest for authenticity. It might be the most devastating thing is when people tell us or we internalize that feeling a negative thing is a negative thing.
1: Exactly. I don't know
0: where we got that. We got to get rid of that from our from our database.
1: So I tend to think that that comes from, like with my parents as an example, and I'm a little bit older than you, so I don't know when this mentality stopped over the years, but my parents were raised by parents of the depression. Mm. And so everything was like, you know eat every single thing on your plate because, you know, at the time it was, you know, this is back in the seventies, there's serving children in Africa or whatever, you have right. to eat every single thing on your plate. And and it was just that mentality that we have to just keep drudging forward, don't waste anything. And maybe it came from the fact that because things were so bad during that time of depression and thankfully we've not experienced a time like that to that degree you don't have time to to feel negative and you had to just keep pushing forward I don't know yeah I mean my my, yeah
0: my grandmother who lived to 100 is exactly that type of person I mean she she, honestly she was pretty mean about it but uh but (laughs) but that care but that quality of like I don't I don't have time for that right and that's like um that's that was really a tragedy and I think we're you know i think we're maturing right i think there's a yeah. there is a shift uh, a broader shift underway of more vulnerability more curiosity it doesn't often look like that when you read the paper uh right. but i think if you zoom out there is a shift in consciousness that's that's we're we're i would say we're well into the first inning right it's we're not we're yeah. not in the fifth we're not in the fifth but we but it's it's not like it just started yesterday um but yeah there there's a um and it's and it's really subtle right it's many layers like you and i can sit here yeah. and we can say well feeling feeling what we feel is a good thing, what you do with it can be problematic, right? Right. It's one thing to say that, but for most people, the ability to give themselves permission to actually do that, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we have to work through. There's a bunch of layers of resistance because it wasn't safe to do that in our families for the most part. And so we've got to outwork, we've got to convince the parts of us that are still trying to protect us to kind of release their defenses a little bit so we can get into those places. So, you know, that's why this work takes a while.
1: It does. It does take a while. And and I always say and that's part of the reason why I have this platform because when you think of happiness solved, it it it, it at the very basic level, it's happiness is a choice and the choice is yours. Mm-hmm. And we have a choice at every second of every day on what thoughts we're going to allow into our consciousness. Having said that, you do have to feel those negative emotions. You have to feel the anger. You have to feel the pain, right? I know I wasn't allowed to be angry. And then Mm. I, you know, as much as my ex-husband and I, we have such a great relationship today because of his high stressful job. I wasn't allowed to have a bad day when I was married to him.
0: Right, right. Right. For me, yeah. I was going to say like when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to be anxious. Right, I was anxious, but I wasn't allowed to be, right? right? So I had to like, I had to break that family trance, be who I was like, Drop to the bottom of that well. Let myself right. be anxious. Let my feel, Let myself feel uh, all the things that were underneath that. That I. That I, That it wasn't. It's not again. It's not intent. My parents are lovely, amazing people. Of course, of course. But, but they didn't. They couldn't create the space that I needed at that time, and so I had to do that for myself. And then, and then you can move on. Right? Well, and they didn't
1: know that. They know. didn't know what they didn't know because when my brother died two weeks before I turned thirteen years old, that's a mm. very traumatic thing for a child in today's world the schools the the counselors would be calling them in do you need help what can we do to support you i had nothing right nothing you just didn't talk about it so for me as a as a child you know 12 going on 13 years old it was like oh okay so it just smile, like that's when it started. Just smile and everything will be okay. Like it was dismissive, right. like it didn't matter. And it did right. matter. It was a major ordeal. And they didn't know. But going to a therapist or psychology, God forbid a psychiatrist. I mean, that was right. just the right. it was just no, you did not. There was such a stigma. Yeah. around even talking to somebody about your mental health. It was so different then. And I know we're we're making progress today, thankfully, right? We're making mm-hmm. progress and making it more, you know, less less of a stigma that depression is a real thing and mental illness is a real thing. And, and we need to talk about these things that happen in our lives so that we can get to the point because things happen to us. And it circles back to getting people out of that victim mentality, right? Yeah. Yes, things happen to us. When my brother died, that happened to me, right? Yeah. I didn't ask for it. It happened. Yeah. Now, what I do with it after is what you were talking about. And it took me many, many years and hitting rock bottom from drug abuse because I never dealt with that grief to realize that that happened for me right. and not to me. And that yeah. is that's the hardest part is feeling because things do, they're real, they happen to you but you have to, in order to get out of that victim mentality, you have to reach a point where you realize that it happens for you, not to you. So yeah. what, what other thoughts can you share on that? You know, because we're almost out of time here, but, but what other thoughts, because that's such a big thing, that victim mentality that people go through.
0: Well, I, I will, I want to offer a, a, a best practice or at least a, a thing <laughs> that uh, if I could wave a magic wand and change one thing uh, with how parents show up, it would be because I, you know, on the playgrounds of our lives, you know, I have I have two kids. One of them is off to college, another one's in first grade. Um, oh wow! <laughs> so I kind of have, I kind of got a spectrum there, yes. but I see parents uh, doing this thing that I just wish I could just delete, which is in some form or another, they tell their kids either verbally or 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 through their body or through their expression, they tell kids don't feel the thing that you're feeling right now. Like if we could just stop doing that. Like, just stop telling kids not to feel what they're feeling. Right. Work on yourself. Like the, your that's your trigger, not theirs. They're fine. That's right. They're just feeling what they're feeling. This is it's all about you. It's all narcissism, for, because you don't you're uncomfortable with what they're actually fine. Kids are amazing emotional facile beings. Just let them be that. So if we could just delete that from our lexicon as parents, the world would be a better place.
1: Mm, I love it. Cause it is, it's so true. And my son has anxiety and, um, you know, and even to this day, there's times when he'll call me and he, and I'll, I'm like, all right, let's, let's feel it. Let's breathe. And, and, yep. and I walk him through the deep breathing and, and you can hear the shift in his voice because he's off in college. And so most of our communication is over the phone, but you can hear that, um, that he's processing it. And then he'll start to, hmm, okay. Yeah. Right. Because it's anxiety is really just fear. It's fear. Yep. You're afraid yep. of something, yeah, mm-hmm. and the fear is always going to be there. So, I this has been such an amazing conversation, and I love. I I didn't expect us to take it where it went, and I'm so glad because I always feel like whatever conversation shows up, it's absolutely perfect. Hmm. Um, how can people reach you and 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 learn more about what you do, and then is there any closing words that you would like to share with the audience today?
0: First of all, thanks for having me on the show. I, I love an organic conversation that goes wherever it goes. Um, so Refound.com, like Rebound, but with an F, uh, is my company. We do leadership development. Uh, that's where you can find me. You can reach out to hello at Refound.com, and that will make its way to my inbox. Perfect. Um, and I'm happy to answer any questions or, or talk at all about you know that or this topic. Um, and you know, and just in terms of closing thoughts, I just think that the the... The biggest problem that we face right now is how do we trust the information that we're getting out there? Yes, and there there are so many options. There's such a buffet of information on, on every topic, and you know the thing that has benefited me in my life in various domains is to step away from the buffet, pick pick a pick an angle, and take that angle down to its destination. So if it's in health, if it's in wellness, if it's in psychology, relationships, spirituality, medicine, politics, like find one trusted source and follow their recommendations and try it and see, and just step away from the buffet. Because if you just, you know, if you just are consuming little bits of superficial information from a bunch of different people, which is the easiest thing to do these days, you won't see the benefits of what they're actually pointing towards. Mm.
1: Excellent advice. Because I know I realized that earlier this year that I was like, ooh, like shiny object syndrome. Ooh, that sounds great. Ooh, because we're so inundated. You know, when I started on my journey 30, 34 years ago, you had to go and buy a book and read it, you know, right. and okay. And then I read my book. Right. <laughs> I absorbed the information. Now it's just like, ah, you know, it's just coming at us. So that's oh, really? that's really great advice. Total overload. Totally overload. So you said hello at refound.com.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's how to reach you every email. And and I don't do much
0: on social otherwise. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn in the kind of the professional sphere, but uh, I'm a little bit old school that way. Um, uh, But I, but I answer all my emails personally. So there's that.
1: Awesome. And we'll make sure every, all the links are in the show notes as well. Jonathan, Raymond, thank you so much for joining me today. And everybody who's listening, I hope you got something out of that. I love that. That things happen for you, not to you. And uh, just get out of that victim mentality and feel those feelings, right? (laughs) So important. Indeed.
0: Thanks so much. Thank you.
1: I certainly hope that you enjoyed today's interview. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone!